episode of Virtual Coffee. My name is Alexa Collier, and on this podcast, I chat with small business owners about their businesses and passions, advice for others. Now with me today is Mitch, one of the founders of Cake. Cake is a wellness brand for the bedroom, and their goal is to help people have more fun sex. Their products are made with premium and natural ingredients, and their entire brand is modernizing the sex wellness industry. On this episode, Mitch dives into the story behind Cake and gives very unique advice for other business owners. They are even giving our audience a 30% discount if you use the code VIRTUALCOFFEE at checkout. So thank you so much, Mitch and Cake. Now, this is an amazing, fun episode, and I know you'll enjoy it. Before we dive into it, as always, I would really appreciate if you could rate and review Virtual Coffee on the Apple Podcasts app. really helps us out. You can also follow us along on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, other social medias. It's all at Virtual Coffee Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this episode. Now let's hear from Mitch. Welcome, Mitch. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Thanks. I am excited to talk about all things cake because it's all I think about and (laughs) do all day every day. Well, that is perfect for this conversation then. And speaking of Cake, let's dive right into that. So tell me about Cake's mission, a little bit of background on the business, perhaps how it first came to be. Just introduce me and our audience to Cake. Sure. And I feel like this is a good time to do the the podcast warning where <laughs> Cake is a sexual health and wellness company. So we get real personal real quick. So if there are kids listening, you might want to kind of put this on mute, pause, put on headphones, walk away because the founding story uh, actually comes from the fact that I'm gay and my Mm -hmm. co-founder is straight. And the two of us kind of, I'm married, he's not. I'm older, he's 10 years younger than me. Kind of who we are and how we like to get down in the bedroom is really, really different. But neither one of us thought that there was a brand out there for either of us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the big giant companies like the Trojan and KYs of the world, which had, you know, fine products, not the best, but didn't feel super personal. And then there was a lot of really niche kind of brands, players, websites that when you're on them, you kind of feel like you have to shut your screen if someone looks over your shoulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And we just thought, well, if neither one of us think there's a brand out there, maybe our friends don't either. So we just started Mm -hmm. kind of asking folks about kind of how they think about their sexual health and wellness. And the overarching feedback was that people weren't thinking about it a ton. And then when you ask questions like, well, do you want to have more fun sex or do you want to have better sex? Everyone says yes. But when you say, okay, well, what are you doing on that journey? You know, if you want to get fit, you work out, if you want to sleep better, you don't drink caffeine at night, like what Mm. steps are you taking to have a better sex life? And there was kind of just crickets, radio (laughs) silence. So the idea came from this idea of what if we could create a brand and products designed to help people have more fun sex, no matter who they are, gay, straight, trans, black, white, big, small, kind of no matter who you are, no matter how you like to play, what if we tailor made products for people to have better sex. And that's the long-winded 
origin story behind it. <laughs> that is so great. And I, I really love how the business came from, you know, a personal problem issue or problem statement area that you and your co-founder were experiencing. And then you just asked your friends. I love that, like immediate customer feedback to see if this is a problem really in the marketplace, right? And then I also, what I love about your brand and company is I think you're also making sex a comfortable topic to talk about, um, especially, you know, online, like just looking at your Instagram feed, it honestly takes you a second to realize that you are in the sex industry, right? In the sex yeah. company, because your Instagram's very neat, modern, polished, just presentable. So I, I just love that about your brand of almost modernizing sex. I don't know if that's the right phrasing, but I just think that that's so great about it. Yeah, I feel I thank you for saying that. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. I also like because I listen to this podcast and I listen mm -hmm. to a lot of kind of startup podcasts. So I'm going to also do the I'll do the good co-founder personal story, but I'll also do the business side of things. Mm -hmm. The other side of why cake and why we started this company is because Hunter and I also we've been in startup kind of branding and operations for a while. Okay, I think it's the last aisle in the store in big retail that has mm. not been reinvented yeah. by a startup brand so you walk through and you can kind of understand like the new toothbrush is reinventing that aisle harry's is reinventing shaving you know lola i worked on that business for a long time reinventing kind of that entire world no one has kind of tackled sex from a pleasure standpoint and i think the way to do that is by what you just said it's not to talk about sex how it's been talked about forever and this kind of makes you feel gross or bad or like you have to sure. hide it. Yeah. And just talk about it more like kind of sex care or skin care. And yeah. just take that mentality to it. And that's why we present ourselves as, I don't know, more of an everyday fun brand you want to be mm -hmm. a part of rather than this, oh, God, I hope no one sees what I just ordered. Yeah, yeah. I love that explanation and even your just comparison to skincare, right? And that's so big and you have all these modern companies like reinventing skincare and that's a part of everyone's day-to-day -day life and so is sex. So to your yep. point, why hasn't anyone reinvented that? And love that that you guys are doing that. And how did you meet your co-founder? Were you guys friends beforehand? Um, what was your your relationship? So I used to run strategy at a branding agency called Frank Collective. And they're wonderful. And I love that kind of company. And they've been a lot of startup brands like Blue Apron and helped on Lola and done a whole oh. bunch of work there. So Hunter had co-founded another company and is doing rather well. But he always has had kind of a brand itch. So he came into Frank to ask for us to rebrand that company. And I was running strategy there. And for a lot of different reasons, it didn't make sense to work on that company. But we really liked each other and kind of stayed in touch. At the same time, I was moving up to San Francisco with my husband. His whole family lives here. So I knew I was going to be leaving. And my husband, who's wonderful, said, okay, <laughs> I know you've kind of had this startup itch for a long time. You have three months to do whatever you want. If you make money, great. If you don't, it's okay. Do kind of whatever you want. So I basically just said, yes to everything and one of the things i said yes to was helping hunter the idea of cake it wasn't called cake at the time it was mm -hmm. actually a totally different company about sustainable wipes like baby wipes face wipes and i jokingly said 
you should make butt wipes for gay men and mm. have it specific to sex. Yeah. And he called me back about a month later and he said, I did that. We sold 2000 in like two <laughs> days. I think there's something here. If we just talk about sexual wellness in a normal way, mm-hmm. I think it will resonate. So ever since that day, you know, three months turned into six months. And then eventually we decided, well, we do have to get paid. So let's go raise some money mm-hmm. and make this thing happen. That's really cool. Yeah, because I was I was going to ask, how did the topic of sex and sex wellness like come up between you and Hunter? Um, so that answers that question. That's that's great. And how the name cake, what does the name cake mean? How did how did that come to be? So I think there is a tendency I'm going to get philosophical for a minute. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think there's a tendency in the United States particularly to feel bad about things that make you feel good. So like cake is a wonderful indulgent thing. And if you're going to eat a piece of cake, you should fully be present, indulge it and enjoy it free of shame and not worry about like the sugar and the calories and all of that. You're eating cake, eat the, don't know if we can swear, effing Go cake. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just eat the cake and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The same mentality applies to sex so sex is one of those things in my view you should really enjoy it's one of the last things where you hopefully aren't on your phone you're not thinking about the next meeting you're not stressed out about the family plans that you have this weekend that you're hoping that you can cancel but you can't cancel you're just fully enjoying yourself and we want people to indulge and enjoy it shame free mm-hmm. so that's where that name comes from excellent love that branding yeah that makes perfect sense. Be present in the moment, whether you're eating a piece of cake or having sex. (laughs) It's great. I'm going to keep on switching between cake cheerleading section and then the real, the real story. I think the other piece of it coming from a founder perspective, which I think other founders will appreciate is you're never fully happy with anything, or at least I'm not. So I think the name cake and the brand cake is dead on for the company that we are creating, it is one of those names that can turn into cheap very, Mm. very quickly. So we get pitched creative ideas all the time. They're like, let's write your name in frosting or let's, Mm. you know, compare it to baking a cake. And you have to kind of constantly, I'm a brand strategist, so I'm obsessed with the stuff with that name and with the brand, you have to constantly be doing rather kind of like more more premium, more, I don't know, well-designed executions all of the time to toe this line between being a rather premium brand, but not so far out of reach that people don't think that they can afford it. And then at the same time, you also can't let it slide back into this kind of cheap world. Thank you for saying that you like it. I love it too. It's hard to keep it at the threshold Mm. where people like it. That's interesting. I never would have thought about that. Do you find people, I don't know if if you have this insight, but come to your Instagram page or your website and think you're something other than, you know, a shop or brand or company that sells sex products? Like, do they come to your page thinking, oh, maybe they're a bakery? Do you know, do you have those insights? Yes, we do. So I think our brand, we have a TikTok and it's, different folks, but it's a lot of myself talking about being the founder of a sex company when I have no business being the founder of a sex company. <laughs> I'm like not some sexual guru by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. I've just done a lot of, lot of homework. So I think we're more of a TikTok brand than 
an Instagram brand, but because of how compliance works and now Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, everyone cover your ears, how compliance works is we're not allowed to say keywords. So my pitch to cake, if I could say what I wanted to say is cake makes sex products for more fun sex. Mm -hmm. They're better than anything that's on the market. It has better ingredients. They work better. They're affordable and they're guaranteed. So if you buy our products and you don't have more fun sex, we'll give you all of your money back and you keep the product. That's the real pitch. And it's hard to, for anyone to turn that down because people mm-hmm. want to have better sex. We've never been able to say that wow. because of compliance. So yes, I, don't, I think people understand that we're in the sexual wellness space. I don't think people understand that we have a masturbation cream for guys and hmm. we have a lube if you want to try butt stuff for the first time. Yeah. I know people don't understand that until they come into the fold. Once they're in, our repeat customer rate is insane. Wow, nice. The average order value and all that good stuff, the metrics are fantastic. It really is a how do we scale awareness? And somehow it's working, knock on wood. It's not easy. Yeah, that's interesting. It's almost like you need to pull in the customers without, to your point, because of compliance being expensive explicit with what you want to say but once they're in and do some exploring on their own they're like oh i'm hooked this is great totally for this brand and company that's interesting it's almost like an extra step there oh it's a it's a big extra step for three months i'd put a camera on myself and i would say different sentences because our top seller is a masturbation cream for men men engage in soul play 8.9 billion times a year and there's largely no products on the market in a mainstream way for that that's insane so i've said a sentence to try to say that probably 300 different ways and put it into facebook ads manager and we've figured out that i can say a below the belt lotion for (laughs) that special me time oh gosh and that will get it across (laughs) enough but I think from a, a founder perspective, I had this notion of having kind of a sexy, cool startup and raising venture capital and doing all of these cool things, which we have done. The 99% of the work is me with a camera in front of my face, like yeah. the bottom of the barrel, like in the weeds, trying to make something out of nothing <laughs> has been my life. And thankfully, we've navigated that and pulled it off so far. Yeah. But We'll see how it goes in the future. Yeah, that's fascinating. Just figuring out what gets approved, right? That's crazy. Well, I'm happy to talk about the products you sell here on this podcast. So tell our audience a bit more about those products. You know, you mentioned a few, maybe you want to give the categories or, you know, if someone stumbles upon your website, what would they see? Yeah, the ambition is to own sex, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, having more fun sex, you think of cake. That's the ambition. What we're doing is we're making products to help you do that. We started in personal lubricants because, and I know there's the feedback we get most of the time is from heterosexual men that said they didn't realize that this category really existed or that you could use them for pleasure and it wasn't just for like a medical condition. And we started there because it is the most affordable, easiest way to have better sex like that. It's really, really kind of can improve your sex life. 
so we started with personal lubricants and we have kind of every day that you should use for gay sex and for straight sex. We have one mm-hmm. that is made of premium silicone because the molecules of silicone are bigger and they don't absorb into the skin. So it stays on the top of your skin surface. So it stays slippery for a long time. Gay men don't self-lubricate. Butts don't self-lubricate. So you need that to stay on top of the skin. Yeah. So we made a product called Backside Slide specifically for that use. Organic aloe is made to complement the anatomy of females or people with vaginas. So that product is made for largely heterosexual or lesbian sex. And then we have specialty lubricants, which are everything that we make is built on this philosophy that the only way to have better sex is to try new things. So everything is designed to try something new. So we have a Tush Kush is a product where a lot of people are interested in butts. Like, no matter how you identify, most everyone has a butt. People are interested in them. Mm-hmm. Everyone's really scared to try it. Yeah. So we made a product that is chock full of aloe. When you put, when you kind of express it and you put it between your fingers, it almost bounces like it's springy. And it is designed to help soothe, like aloe soothes the sunburn. It soothes as you kind of explore that for the first time. There's a whole bunch of products, so I won't go through mm-hmm. them all, but they're sure. all designed for specific uses. Then we are going into, we have gone into toys, and I think that a lot of people take toys really down a gross, dirty, bad path. <laughs> yeah. And people like toys. Like they're called toys for a reason. We're right. adults, and adults also like toys, so make them for fun and pleasure. We've just taken all the grossness out of them. And just kind of let them be, they're not, like, they don't look like anatomy or anything. They mm-hmm. just look kind of like objects. My co-founder actually calls it object play rather than sex toys. That's cool. And we've gone into that whole world. So we have a stroker that is coming to a store near you, which Ooh. is practical, but we'll, <laughs> we'll throw it out there anyways. Awesome. Uh, and then we have a whole line of hygiene and protection. So there's a big trend happening where because of plan B and prep, Mm -hmm. people have stopped using condoms. That's a really bad thing. So now investors that invest in cake, cover your ears. We have made a line of condoms of all different shapes and sizes because penises aren't the same. So why are condoms? We know we're going to lose money on it. We are very clear that that is not going to make us a huge amount of cash we're doing it anyways because we fundamentally believe that safe sex is good sex and stis and sexually transmitted diseases are still very real so we are also have that hygiene and um protection line which is helping kind of round it out and there's other things in the future which i won't get into but basically if something is prohibiting you from having great sex we're going to make products and try to be the very, very best thing on the market for that. You are so intentional with your products. Like the amount of research, it sounds like that goes behind each product sounds immense. And I'm curious what your team is like. Like, is it you and your co-founder researching? Do you have a research team? Like who makes the products? Give us a little behind the scenes of how that all works from, hey, I have an idea for this new product to actually launching it. Sure. So I'm going to flip between cheerleader Mitch and 
reality helpful advice match. <laughs> okay. Uh, the other the other piece of our products are extremely intentional, and I'll mm-hmm. walk through how that thinking works. But the real tricky part about having very intentional products is that we made products specific to people that identify as female that like to play with other females. We made products for gay men. We made products for heterosexual couples. By definition of our product line, we don't have a target audience. As a brand strategist, I want that age range, demographic, geographic, psychographic. I want a really tight audience. We will get kind of queer people in Los Angeles posting about cake. And then we'll get, you know, a 42-year-old heterosexual man asking if we ship to army bases. So it's been a pretty insane learning curve because somehow the brand's striking the right nerve where we can appeal to all those customers, but it's really hard from a target audience perspective. Our kind of ambition is just to help people have more fun sex and we don't want to leave anyone out of that. So the intention side of how we come up with products, it's there's three parts of it. One of them is we do kind of try to go between how people identify by gender and sexuality and make sure we have our basis covered there and make sure we're taking care of the population. That's one mm-hmm. piece of it. The second piece, which I've learned from working on other startups, is we we just point blank ask our customers. And we don't send theoretical surveys or anything. We have this thing called the test kitchen where we say, we are going to come out with a stroker for men's masturbation because you all said you wanted it. We're going to send you 100 people. We're going to send you three different prototypes. We need you to experiment with them, try them, give us feedback, tell us what works, what doesn't work, and then we're going to refine it. So there's a tremendous amount of, I don't know, testing and learning with our actual audience. And then the third part is going back to compliance. We will launch a sex toy, which we know is not compliant on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. Mm -hmm. We know that will never fly and we will never be able to advertise that. The next month, we will launch condoms. And those condoms, not only are they the right thing to do for the population, they are compliant. So we will, we systematically plot out our product development. First, from a, will it help customers? Second, how exactly will it help them and so the product the best it can be? Third, let's make sure we have compliant products so we can scale the entire system. Yeah. Thank you for walking us through that. A ton of great pieces of advice in there. And yeah, to your point, it is interesting how your brand and products do appeal to literally every human because every human has sex, right? So it's almost, it sounds almost like you're to appeal to the majority, right? You kind of have to like segment out your audiences. And to your point, you know, you said you market sometimes based on like gender, you know, sexual preference, et cetera. So almost like segmenting it it out, but then also appealing to the masses. Yeah, that's an interesting brand strategy or or something to have to deal with. Because to your point, most brands have a targeted audience, even if everyone can enjoy their product, they have their targeted audience that they go after. Yeah, and it it is tricky. I am an emotional guy. And when I hear feedback from some of them might identify as trans saying they don't feel like their exact representation mm. is on our site that will try I've, I've spent actually hired 
a data scientist and I figured out that we had to make, I think like 72 permutations within one of our surveys. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Like we have to, yeah. there isn't an option. We have to make sure that we have that representation as we continue down that path, more and more folks keep on coming out of the woodwork to help us understand how they feel and how they want to be represented. So we keep on taking that. So it is this constant feedback loop, which is fascinating to me. Right. And then you keep on getting these kind of interesting nuggets along the way that then just feedback into product development. It's cool. Yeah, it sounds very cool. And kind of going down that conversation of your customers, I'm interested in knowing what are some of the things that you've learned about your customers, your consumers that surprises you? You know, maybe it's in those feedback surveys or just a random message on Instagram or TikTok. Tell us a little bit more about your consumers. My big learnings, number one, which we touched on a bit, is how diverse they are Mm -hmm. in terms of where they live in the country, what their income is, how they identify. It's a wildly kind of diverse audience set. That's one piece of it. The other piece is that I think there's a lot of, I call our audience normal people, and I use a spectrum of kind of one is a newbie to sex. They know nothing. They're very, very kind of just starting their journey. Ten is a guru. They could teach mm-hmm. a, how to be the best lover sex class in the world. We're for the 3.5. We're for huh. the person that likes sex. They enjoy it. Sure, they want to have better sex. But they're not exactly sure what to do, where to start, how to even begin that journey. That has united all of our content messaging, that's the one thing that pulls it all together. And I believe that's why we've been able to kind of traverse how diverse the audience is. And then the third point is I've been, I feel like I'm gonna get emotional. (laughs) I I sometimes am in the day-to-day because we're venture-backed, there's ambitious goals, there's Mm -hmm. really high growth targets every single month that we have to hit, once in a while, I get snapped back in to the fact that we are generally helping people find the greatest pleasure in their life on any day-to-day basis. And we got an email probably three months ago now, and a fellow wrote us who said he was in his 60s, and he thought Mm -hmm. that the time in his life of pleasure was over, sexual pleasure was over. And he's rediscovered that through cake. And it was one of those kind of messages where a customer service person on our team floated it and it made its way through the team within five seconds. And we were on a Zoom talking about it. So I think that's been nice to see and be a part of. Yeah, no, that's incredible. It's so nice to hear the emotion that you have behind the business and the passion you have for it. Every answer you're giving and every sentence you're stating all comes back to helping people. And it's just so clear. And it's just very, very nice to hear as as you're speaking. So yeah, thank you for for what you do through Cake. I think it's incredible. Nice. That's nice to hear. Taking off my cheerleading hat one more time. (laughs) Sure. I listen to podcasts where you often hear people say, go find yourself a co-founder. I never understood that. I wish that was something 
that I really understood when I was in my 20s trying to start companies because I have a tremendous amount of passion. I'm rather creative and ideas guy. I'm not a very good person at running a company. And my co-founder, his name is Hunter Morris, he's incredibly good at running a company. He thinks in scalable long-term solutions and revenue models and margins and you know manufacturing scalability there would not be cake without him and without the ability for us to pair together so if anyone's out there listening to this podcast that has a lot of good ideas i would strongly encourage them to just talk about them all the time and say them out loud and float them around because someone i'm guessing will come out of the woodwork where they will be like, well, that's interesting. How does the margins look? And when your brain kind of wants to shut off and be like, I don't care. What does that mean? Don't <laughs> don't let it shut off. Right. Grab that person and try to make them become your co-founder. Yeah. It'll be one of the best things you can do. That is great advice. And I've noticed that too through these interviews on this podcast. When there are multiple founders, you can tell even just how they're they're speaking and answering the questions that one is more of that, you know, creative ideas, you know, moonshot ideas type of mindset. And the other is really deep into the business logistics, et cetera. And they're just able to blend their passions and their masteries, I guess, together. And it just forms this incredible relationship. So I love that you bring that up. I think that's great advice. Any other advice that comes top of mind for others wanting to start a, a business or already have a business, just what are some of those top pieces that that come to mind for other business owners? I am so glad you asked. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking, I woke up very early this morning mm-hmm. and I was thinking that I have to say this out loud. I grew up in New York and I lived okay. in LA and now San Francisco. So I've grown up in these hubs where startups are all venture backed. I didn't fully understand what that meant until we were venture backed. And you hear a lot of times where people will say, oh, I'm gonna go try to raise money. And I don't think that founders, or at least I didn't, think through the implications of that. And I think in the most simple, simplistic way, if you do not get venture dollars, you can do whatever you want. If you want to, put money into the business and you want your own money to be in there and you want to spend it and you want to grow, 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 grow at all costs, you can do that. If you think to yourself, oh, wait, maybe this isn't the right target audience. I'm going to shut off our website and I'm going to shut everything down for a month or two and I'm going to go back into research. You can do that. You can do whatever you want. As soon as you take those dollars, you are selling them a plan. The business Mm -hmm. model is just a plan says, hey, I'm going to go do this, 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 and this. They say, okay, great. Here's some money to go do that. They want to make sure you hit that plan. You no longer have the 100% luxury of doing whatever you want because you have to explain why you're changing that plan. We made the decision, and I do believe it's the right decision for cake. We believe someone will reinvent sex. The aisle is horrendous if you walk down any Mm -hmm. retailer. Someone will do it. We believe we're the best position company to do that. We knew that we weren't able to spend the next five to seven years building this cool lifestyle, little niche brand, and hopefully one day making it. 
into that kind of omni-channel go-to brand, we knew we had to kind of ramp it through capital. So I do think we've made that right decision. But I think any person out there that thinks they want to raise venture dollars because it sounds cool and fun, just acknowledge it sounds cool and fun and then throw that out of your mind and then really think about how much control and how much of a control freak you are before you go out and do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I want to dive deeper into that. So in your mind, what are some of the pros and cons of getting, you know, those investors versus not like, you know, clearly you get the money. I'm just curious from from your viewpoint, since it seems you have experience in both. What are the pros, pros and cons of each? If someone's listening, thinking, yeah, this sounds great, but I need a little more advice there. I don't know if it's a pros and cons. Mm-hmm. I think it is a if you can't do it without. So if you're going to create a coffee company, most likely you can go get beans, you can go create a package, you can go create a Squarespace website, you can go put that coffee into the market and the world. You can do it without, you can do it without VC dollars. Mm -hmm. If you want to create a coffee company that has a elixir of life that comes from the moon and they've proven that this one rock has this fantastic component to it and you need to literally go to the moon and get rocks (laughs) you cannot do it without you cannot do it without that capital so you need to raise the money that is kind of the determining factor for cake could we create one two maybe three products by ourselves sure that's not our ambition. Our ambition is to yeah. have sexual health and wellness. We've put out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We put out twelve products in nine months. We could not do that without capital. And we could not go into retail, which we believe we want to be within arm's reach. Mm-hmm. We could not do it without capital. So I think that that is the biggest determining factor. The next determining factor is making sure you really like your VCs. Because of Cake being in sex, this was my favorite part of the company, was getting on phone calls and talking about anal sex. You would immediately, (laughs) within literally within a second, you could determine if a VC was right for you or not. Yeah. They would just like clam up, shut up, their red face, they'd get red in the face. They it would become so unbelievably awkward. And then we'd talk to the VCs who now are on the table. And they were just like, yes, and then also, and then, and they were sharing personal stories and they were talking about how dire need they have to kind of reinvent the style. That has been the partners that we've been fortunate enough to get around the table have been, I don't know, so supportive and so amazing that it has been a rather remarkable VC story to date. I mean, we'll see where we go in the future. (laughs) So far, it's been wonderful. Yeah, that does make sense how you explain that of do you need it to move forward? Yes or no. And I think that advice is pretty deep because answering that question really requires you to know your business, your products, your mission, what you're trying to do in and out, right? Like you need to know all of that in order to answer that question. So I think that's a quite a deeper question than it may seem just, you know, saying it at first, uh, just because it requires you to really understand where you want to go with your business and where you want to take it. You said that beautifully. That is 
one of the pieces that and the co-founder were the two pieces I wish I had known earlier. Mm. If there are founders out there thinking about raising, I mean, hit me up at Cake. I'll give you my contact information <laughs> uh, at the end of the podcast. But also just find founders that have raised venture dollars and have mm-hmm. a real conversation with them. Yeah. That's great advice. And it, that's advice we haven't had on this podcast yet. So also very unique. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. And we talked a little bit about the you know future of Cake, where you kind of want to take the business. Any other future milestones you want to share or, I don't know, anything coming up in the future? Just Or we can discuss your future too. You know, is, is Cake really where you see your future going for now? Do you have other ideas? Uh, yeah, let's just talk about the future a little bit. My co-founder and I yesterday were you know everyone's jealous of everyone (laughs) and we're looking at these other founders that were launching their you know third fourth fifth sixth companies Mm -hmm. while they were running their first second third and fourth companies wow and we were just laughing and he's (laughs) like we will never do that and i was like no we won't like i think that cake is so big and challenging and mm-hmm. sex is weird and awkward and confusing and fun. I mean, it is cake, cake, cake. I will be working on this company for at least the next five to ten years mm-hmm. at the bare minimum. I can't see beyond that at all. And I don't really want to at the moment. So I think that's the future. In terms of what the future is of cake, I, I think it is just to continue to create the very, very best products we can for that person that wants to have more fun sex and then be we say be within arm's reach so we're not on amazon we should be someday we're not in retail we should be someday Mm -hmm. we want to be accessible to people because whenever wherever you want to get down we want to help you yeah that's a a beautiful very well stated answer and yeah i'm can't wait to see what what the future holds for you and Hunter and Cake. I think it'll be great. Awesome. Thanks. And I did want to make sure we captured this more logistical question, but where do you ship your products? Is it international, just the United States? Yeah, where do you ship? So right now we are only shipping within the United States. Okay. And we are hoping to expand that within the next kind of 18 months, but that's still all kind of a work in progress. Perfect. Excellent. And do would people go to your website to purchase? Yep. Hellocake.com. Everything is available for sale there. Excellent. And my last big question here for you, Mitch, is in this moment, what is your proudest accomplishment? And of course, it can be related to cake or it can be on a completely different topic. Just kind of that first thing that comes to mind when I ask you what your proudest accomplishment is. The first thing that comes to mind is my relationship with my husband. I think that starting a company is a lot more challenging than everyone, or at least than I thought it would be. And I was having a conversation that he overheard (laughs) yesterday, (laughs) and it was about putting me naked onto a treadmill (laughs) that is covered in lube and made into Mm -hmm. a slip and slide and then telling the founding story of cake and i had a team of maybe five people walking me through the idea and i was saying yes i will do anything to help promote cake and help Mm -hmm. get people to have more fun better sex and reconnect with themselves and with their partner 
And I hung up and he just looked at me <laughs> and he goes, I guess the world's going to see my husband naked on a treadmill. <laughs> so I think the foundation that I've built with not just him, but all of the relationships mm-hmm. they have, people have really come out of the woodwork to support Cake, support the endeavor, support the mission. I've been kind of awestruck by how solid and good those relationships are. That's so, so lovely to hear. I love that story as well. Um, And yeah, congratulations on everything you guys have accomplished so far with Cake and also in your your personal life. And like I said, I'm just so looking forward to following your journey and seeing where Cake goes. But before we wrap up our episode here, is there anything else you wanted to bring up for our audience mention that we may not have gotten to? I'm going to flip the script for a minute. Sure. And it doesn't have to be your proudest accomplishment, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people are fascinated with podcasts and everyone says they'll make one. They make one episode and they never follow through with it. Right. You've done it. So I'm curious to understand in your perspective, like what is the one thing that's allowed you to go from making like one episode to a second, mm-hmm. to a third, to a fourth? That is a great question. And thank you for flipping the script. No one's done that before. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. And it's a great question because I've always struggled, at least after college, to keep up with a hobby. And, you know, when I was in high school, I, I danced and went to dance weekly, played piano, and it was much easier to keep up with those hobbies because you just stayed do a schedule and your parents drove you. Right. But once I hit college and then graduated, I really struggled to find a hobby. And to your point, I also had wanted to start a podcast for years, was always just like this random little idea in my head. And once the pandemic hit last year, I just had so much time on my hands. I was like, why not? Let me just try it. And I think what's kept me going is I found a way to provide myself with a hobby that I enjoy but I also am helping others through the people that I interview, right? And promoting their businesses, getting their stories out there. And I think that's what drives me. And it's what everyone says, right? The passion I have for it. And I just love being able to highlight people who may not have that opportunity yet based on where they're at with their company in their life. Because there are so many podcasts out there that interview the CEOs, the big wigs who have- 30, 50 years of experience and they're so successful and their perspectives and advice are great too. But what about the people who are just starting a business or are early on in their careers? Like they still have advice and stories and perspectives to share. And that's my goal, right? Is to highlight that. And that's what keeps me going. There's, I find new businesses every week to reach out to. And I think there's just an infinite amount of people to speak to and share their stories. That's what keeps me going is knowing I'm helping them, even if it's just a little bit. I, I get to help their business and their their passions. I love the passion, and it comes through in what you do. What I'm zeroing in on is I don't know any person that's in their kind of 20s, early 30s that has a hobby because <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a generational thing. I don't know what it is. I love that you figured out a framework to give yourself something to do on an ongoing basis that you generally enjoy. Mm -hmm. That is a really cool insight. And you took something that you like, a hobby, and made it be a real thing. You created something. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I I agree. I feel like most people don't 
figure out their hobby. And I I was always so jealous of my husband because he's a big video gamer like his whole life. And he will always have that. Like he yep. can always sit down, play a video game and have a blast whenever he wants. And I was always so jealous because I never had that thing to just always work on if I wanted to. And the podcast provides me with that. So yeah, awesome. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, we'll give that out to the podcast world. If anyone out there wants to create a company called Hobby Finder that mm. sends you different things and kits yes. <laughs> that you can try out and try on and co- connect with the community, the two of us will become fans. Yes, exactly. I I love that idea because that's one of the hardest things with hobbies is by the time you buy all the stuff to try out a new hobby, now you're like $100, right, spent, yep. and you're like, what Never if I don't even thing. like it? <laughs> yeah. Turns out I hate to paint. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then last piece is if I'll make a code to give anyone that's listening 30% off, which is oh, wow. more than we ever give. And it'll just be virtual coffee. So if anyone awesome. wants to buy anything at cake, hellocake.com and virtual coffee is the code. Thank you so much. That is excellent. And yeah, I'll make sure to state that in the beginning and in all the, the posts as well. Thank you so much. That's so lovely. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And before we sign off, Mitch, where can people find you and Cake? Social medias, website, shout them all out. So our social media, I'm a big believer in TikTok. So we're Hello Cake on TikTok. We're Hello Cake on Instagram. We're HelloCake.com. And then we'll try this and we'll see if I regret in the future. <laughs> My email is Mitch, M-I-T-C-H, at HelloCake.com. If you are a startup founder and you want to talk, I'm happy to chat with you because those conversations have helped Cake become what it is today. So we'll throw that out there too. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Mitch. This was so awesome and I really enjoyed our conversation here today. Same. We'll talk to you hopefully soon enough. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.